Have you been diagnosed with an eye disease or do you have unanswered questions about your eyes? In this podcast series, we'll be diving deep into all eye-related aspects. So stick around to discover the answers you've been looking for. My name's Vic Masuria, and I'd like to welcome you to the Ultimate Eye Health Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. So before I get into the details about diabetes and how it affects the eyes, I'll tell you a little bit of history about why I'm posting this episode. So it was uh, after seeing a, a patient in clinic, it was a, a lady probably in her um, mid-50s um, and she'd been diabetic for a number of years, I think maybe about 15 to 18 years. Um, typically, uh, she was type 2 diabetic, so she was tablet controlled and uh, developed diabetes further and later on in life. So she wasn't, uh, it wasn't a genetic issue that she had from when she was younger. Um, so she's had it, as I said, for about 15, 18 years. So from around the mid thirties, uh, typically she was a little bit overweight and she'd done her hardest to try and uh, reduce the weight and reduce the strain, um, on her organs regarding the diabetes side of things, but it was still prominent and prevalent. Um, she was having regular checks with the GP surgery to have her bloods done every six months where they measured the HbA1c. Uh, so this is the kind of average glucose readings that the nurse uh, or the GP will take for you every kind of six to 12 months, depending on how much they want to keep a watch on the diabetes side of things. Um, in old money, the HbA1c in terms of eyes, when you really needed it under the the magic number of seven, um, as I said, the, the kind of grading scales have changed. But if we're relating it to old numbers, um, typically we wanted a HbA1c reading of under seven, and that minimized uh, the risks of diabetes starting to affect the eyes. So uh, even though the sugars were really well controlled and she was typically under these levels, diabetes does still tend to affect the eyes after uh, on average around 10 years so even though she kind of had really good consistent sugars and doing everything that she could manage in her diet and uh, exercise regimes etc um, unfortunately she was still de developing a diabetic uh, eye disease purely because she's been diabetic for a long time so like most of you guys in the uk we have national screening programs where patients are invited to go for diabetic screening um, so this is basically where they literally just check your vision, they put drops in and they take photographs um, off the central retina, so the centre part of the eye. Um, it's really good as a screening process, If, however it doesn't capture all the details. Just for a little bit of background about the eye, so the retina is quite large, it covers quite an extent off the back of the eye. Um, up to around 240 to, to 250 degrees. So if you imagine a ball is 360 degrees. Um, yeah, so the retina encompasses, don't quote me on the exact numbers, but I said it's upwards of around 200 degrees. When you have your diabetic retinal photography um, through the NHS, it's only really capturing the central 45 degrees. So there's quite a lot of retina that's not being assessed and that's not being seen with diabetic screening. It's, as I said, it's a really good as a baseline as a general tool. So 100%, <clears throat> excuse me, do not miss to have that done. However, if you want a better assessment out there, that's something uh, what you can have done in private practice, which is called an Optimap scan. Um, and this is a very slightly different type of scan. Um, it, you don't need dilation drops on it. But again, you sit uh, close to a machine and it flashes a bright light. But without dilation, it can capture up to around 200 
degrees off the retina. Firstly, if we can see more retina, we can pick up um, disease much earlier. If we can pick up disease much earlier, we can manage it before it starts to cause a visual impact. So as I said, just a, a good tip there. If you're going to have your eye checked normally, uh, in additional to diabetic screening and 100%, we would advise that on an annual basis. Try and find a practitioner who has um, Optimap uh, or Optos Optimap available to them. Uh, as I said, you will probably have to pay a f small fee to have these private scans done, but it's 100% worth it if you're concerned about monitoring and detecting diabetic eye disease much sooner. Not only does it help with diabetes, but other things it's also useful for. I'm not going to go into the details of that on this episode, um, but as I said, just kind of look out for that. So anyway, this lady had been um, having her regular diabetic screening done on an annual basis. Um, she started to develop some complications or diabetic concerns starting to affect the back of the eye. So she was ultimately referred into hospital. Um, over a period of six or 12 months, she was having ho regular hospital assessments. They, they didn't really do anything. They just kept monitoring it for a short period of time or for a period of time. Uh, and then at one point she was um, listed to have some laser treatment on the back of her eye. Now, where the concern or, or confusion came was the lady um, in question expected to have laser treatment and it for her to improve her vision. So I think there was a bit of a miscommunication and not really much understanding either from, from hospital or maybe the patient side that there's different types of laser. So the lady was commonly, uh, she, she thought laser was actually like the refractive laser that you see on television where people have it done to improve their vision. Um, so the laser that's done for diabetic treatment and glaucoma and other things, they're completely different. Um, so the best way I can describe it is diabetic eye disease develops because um, it, diabetes damages the fine blood vessels at the back of the eye. The eye needs a good oxygen supply for it to maintain a, a good health structure. Because diabetes is damaging the fine blood vessels, and the blood vessels uh, and the blood carries oxygen, there's basically not enough oxygen getting through to the eye, so it causes issues with new blood vessels growing, or the old blood vessels are starting to leak and cause swelling toward at the back of the eye. And all those things compound and therefore start to affect the site. So the aim of the laser treatment that is done to uh, slow down or ideally stop diabetic eye disease progressing is not really treatment. It's more to do with management. So essentially what they're doing is commonly they're um, lasering the periphery of the retina. So the very edges of the retina to actually kill the retina um, or and, and that what that is essentially doing is reducing the demand for oxygen because instead of having a hundred percent retina that requires hundred percent oxygen you've only for argument's sake these aren't the exact numbers but for argument's sake you've now only got 50 percent retina with still the same amount of oxygen so essentially the retina is left over his is getting a better oxygen supply so even though it's, as I said, reduce the amount of retina that's working, the retina is, that is left over becomes healthier and starts to perform better. So as I said, there was a kind of little bit of confusion about what this lady was expecting to uh, experience following the laser treatment. 
So, as I said, she thought the vision was going to be better. In this lady's case, the vision, the central vision was about the same. It hadn't really impacted. However, the peripheral vision, which is controlled by the peripheral retina, was worse because essentially they'd lasered it off to kill the retina, which had reduced the visual field. It's a short-sighted, um, uh, what's the word, compromise to have because ultimately we're still saving the central vision. So the lady was still able to drive. She was still completely functional. She could do exactly what she needed to do. It's just that her visual field was around 15 to 20 degrees reduced compared to what it was like previously. Um, so as I said, in the long term, this was a, a, a fairly good treatment because it maintained her central retina and increases the longevity of how long her retina is working centrally and her center vision. Um, but as I said, the downside is that she's had some peripheral uh, loss of vision. Um, so as I said, that was kind of how diabetes affects the eyes and where laser kind of fits into that. Um, there's other kinds of treatment that are done these days to do with uh, injections and various bits to help reabsorb blood and improve uh, visual function, which relates to diabetes and other things. But that is slightly different to to what I've talked about here today. I'll go into that on further on a, another episode and I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Cheers, thanks guys. If you found this podcast series useful, please screenshot this episode using your phone and post it on socials and tag me at Vic Masonria using the hashtag iHealthPodcast. This way you can help me spread the word and help others just like you.